Hey there, this is Gina, and this is episode two of The Gina Show. Hey there, and welcome to The Gina Show, the show where I bring to you personal conversations with soulful change makers. Listen, it's great to have you here with us. Thank you for joining us. Every week, we're helping you to follow your heart and be true to yourself so you can make a real difference in the world. Today on the show, I have Amanda Burse, a lady who has made a significant difference in the world. When I said I was interviewing Amanda to my family and friends, they all said to me, what, do you mean Marcy from Married with Children? Yes, that is exactly who I'm in conversation with today. Let me tell you a little bit about Amanda and why she's made a significant difference in the world. Amanda currently lives in Seattle and has enjoyed over 35 years in the entertainment industry. She is most well known for her role in Married with Children. But what you may not know is she transitioned into directing. And she directed television whilst appearing on Married with Children. And from 1991 through to 1997, she directed 31 episodes of the show. 25 years and over 100 sitcom episodes later, Amanda remains behind the camera and in the theatre directing and producing. In 1993, at the heart of her acting career, Amanda came out as a lesbian to the public with a cover article in The Advocate. Amanda is an LGBT activist and she regularly promotes visibility and equal rights. In our conversation today, we talked about Amanda's experiences of acting and directing. We talked about Hollywood. We talked about coming out at the height of her acting career and the implications that this has had on her life. We also talk about what's her legacy? What is she here to leave behind? It's fascinating stuff. Now, listen, I need to make an apology. The sound may be a little bit crackly throughout. As I say, I do apologize about this. We had a bad microphone connection and we just couldn't get it fixed. So please accept my apologies about that. I hope it doesn't interrupt your, your listening and your viewing too much. I know that you're going to love this powerful conversation with Amanda Burse. Without further ado, let's get stuck in. Today on The Gina Show, I'm in conversation with Amanda Burse. Enjoy. Amanda, welcome to the show. It is awesome to have you here with us. Thank Listen, you. It's, it's great to be be here all the way over there. Absolutely, absolutely. So just, just for the record, Amanda is in Seattle right now, and I'm in the UK. And I've known that I'm going to be interviewing you for, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks now, and I've been so excited. I can honestly say I've been so excited to speak with you. Thank you. I've spoken to lots of people about your work, um, find out their thoughts on what you do and how they, how they have come across your work in the past. And I didn't actually know, but your acting career began with All My Children. I didn't know that. But yeah, everybody... that was my first professional job. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I got out of school, I went to New York to study and uh, was in a sort of conservatory type school called the Neighbor Playhouse for two years. They don't allow you to work professionally while you're studying. Ah, I didn't and, know that. Uh, I was one of the fortunate ones who was able to get representation right out of school. And that was one of my very first jobs. It was the only soap opera I ever watched. So it was. No, it was it really? Yes, it was pretty 
big fun. And actually, I was up for a different role, which I didn't get, and I was absolutely devastated. Um, and then they wrote the part in for me, and they used my name, Amanda. They called me Mandy. And so it turned out to be on and off about a two-year gig, which was uh, pretty great, actually. That sounds awesome. And, and how cool to have a, a, a part written specifically for you. I mean, well, that's um, cool. I, you know, it was it, it was pretty flattering and, um, <laughs> and unusual. Uh, I think because the role I was uh, up for was so evil, you know, mm. soap operas are written fairly uh, polarizing in terms of their characters. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and the, the character that I had auditioned for was just sociopathic. There's no other way to say it. Christy. So the character really came on to be her conscience. So for many, many episodes, I would say things like, really, you think we should do that? I don't know. I'm not sure that's a good idea because she was just horrible. <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, and then I got a storyline and it, it became a little more interesting. But it was a great first job. It sounds it. Everything that I've read about it, all the interviews that I've seen where you've talked about it, it sounds like a fantastic first job. But listen, most people know you as Marcy, right? From Married with Children? Yes. What most people probably won't know, though, is that it launched your second career behind the camera. And from my research, and please correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think the length of your directing career now far exceeds your acting career. Am I right in thinking that? Absolutely. Well, uh, I really was fortunate not only to be on a long-running show uh, here in the U.S., but also to be afforded another opportunity creatively. Mm. And I always loved crews. I grew up doing theater, and in the theater, you, everyone is, is, is there together in a real collaborative, creative process. And it's not that it's not like that in Hollywood land. It's a little more divided. But I always paid attention to what was going on uh, with the crew and, and how things are done. Mm. And so when I negotiated to direct, uh, it was sort of like I was only going to get paid so much money as an actor. So is there something else that we can do to sort of sweeten the deal? And, and I said, absolutely. And that's what I asked for. Now, I went and studied. Uh, so that I could be prepared, and I actually, it's called trailing other directors, to shadow them. Okay. What they do and how they do it. So when the time came, I was prepared, and they, yeah. they gave me a shot, and it worked out okay, and they gave me another and another. So by the end of uh, the run of Mary with Children, I had directed in and around six seasons of the show. That's amazing. And on our weeks off, I had been able to go to direct other shows, but Hollywood's kind of weird in that they, they sort of put you in a box and say, well, you do that, you don't do that. Mm. But really, I'd been doing both jobs for some time yeah. uh, on Married with Children. However, I really wanted to be taken seriously as a director. So I shut the acting door purposefully so that that's how I would be known. And oh, you're okay. right. I've been a director now for over well over 25 years. And my professional acting career was just a, a, a fraction of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that, I thought that was the case. And I thought, wow, that, that's pretty incredible, actually, because usually people spend longer in their acting career than they would in a directing career. And I found it fascinating that you'd, you'd transition quite early on in your career to, to do that. What was it that made you want to go from the acting career to the directing career? Was, was it a sort of pull to do that? Well, I think... 
number one, I really understood the process to be way beyond just the piece of the puzzle that an actor puts themselves in. Yeah. And see the whole picture and to, to come to understand what everybody is doing mm. in order to make this show happen. And mm. whether it's on camera, whether it's theater, it really is a collaboration in the best way. Uh, when it's working the best way. So uh, it was just expansive in terms of uh, what I could do creatively to be mm. more part of the show. I love Marcy. She's, she will always be near and dear to me. But she was just that piece that yeah. fit in to that, that Bundy world. And, you know, oftentimes I'd, I'd show up at the beginning of the show, I'd get humiliated, and then I'd leave. And um, so there was a, I was going to go down with that ship no matter what. But there was a lot more <laughs> no. to be able to do, you know, with, yeah. with the show. And, uh, and I had watched other directors, and uh, especially women, early on in uh, my career. The, the pilot of Married with Children and the first, oh, season and a half was directed by a woman, Linda Day. And mm, okay. she was um, very inspiring to me. And she was full of grace and full of uh, competence and ability. And uh, I, I admired her very much. So that was right in front of me with this mm, show. Mm. And I just paid a lot of attention. But way back, back to all my children, there was a woman who was an actor on the show, very sort of main character. And she stepped behind the camera. And again, oh, okay. I, I just saw that as, uh, uh, I don't know, something that was possible. Yeah. And, uh, and not only that, they did the job so well. Sometimes, you know, far better than a lot of the men who were doing the job. So. Wow, that's fascinating. That, yeah. That's good to know, actually, because, you know, often we think that there's almost like a, a stereotype that directors are male. And I think it's brilliant. them get those jobs. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think it's amazing that you had some female role models early on in your career, which allowed you to get that confidence and, and to follow what you were being pulled to do, which was you know, that whole creative journey. It sounds like it's been a real um, expansive part of your career because it was so creative for you. You were allowed to be creative and, and to create. Well, and to really work with all of the people involved in the production. And it's not that as an actor, you're not with everyone. Yeah. But you're sort of, the crew is off doing their jobs. You know, you sit in the makeup chair and you get makeup and hair, so, sort of, and you work with the wardrobe designer and the, the costumers and so forth. And then that's, you know, and then you're, you're mic'd or, or boom from above. But for the most part, you just step in and, and play your part and that's that's your role. But yeah. to be able to build a picture, to be able to sort of work with all these different creative departments, uh, was was really a gift. And and I've been very very lucky and very grateful. No, no, you're not lucky. Uh, people oh, say, I think so. No, 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 no. People often say I feel really lucky, but I think you, you create your own destiny, totally. So you, you put it out there, you wanted it to happen, and it happened. You created that, and I think that's well, fabulous. I, I don't disagree in that I think it is important to set intentions for ourselves yeah. throughout life, whether it's in, a, in your personal life or your career, um, and, and that does help you manifest. Mm. But we don't walk through this life on this planet alone. 
No. And it is about <laughs> cultivating relationships and being fortunate enough to be in certain circumstances that help allow for those dreams to come true. Absolutely. And having your eyes open to the opportunities that are right there in front of you is, is a key exactly. thing as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So listen, I'm really keen to hear about your latest work, which is called Party Face. I'd love to give an introduction to it, but I know that you'll do such a better job than I will. So could you tell us a little bit about Party Face? What is it? Party Face originated as a, an Irish play called Boom, and that's B-O-O-M with a question mark. Boom. Boom all in capital letters. And that's the way it is actually being performed in Ireland. And okay. it's going to be at the Gaiety, which is a large venue in Dublin, um, at the end of March. So that's very exciting. So it's written by a woman named Isabel Mann, a female Irish playwright. And um, they've been sort of performing it more so in a workshop fashion, meaning it hasn't had a big sit-down run. Okay. Fully realized production. It's been, been performed for quite a while. And it's written... Uh, set in the time of the economic boom, what they called the Celtic Tiger, or you know, I'm sure you're familiar with all of yeah, that. Yeah. Yes, and we had that too. We had that big economic bubble um, where people were buying second houses, third houses, mm -hmm. uh, living way beyond their means because they thought this world of, um, of uh, uh, growth was going to just keep going. But as the Romans say, all, all good things come to pass, and um, or they did way back when, I think. Anyway, it ended. But prior to that, you know, with the crash in 2008, it, it was a global crash, not just in the UK, not just in the US. Hmm. And But prior to that, things were grand, as you would say, and people were building extensions. They were building extensions on their houses. So you had these lovely sort of older homes with yeah. these great postmodern add-ons on the back. So uh, that's a lot to, to, to give you the setup, but that's where, that's the time and the place that the okay. play uh, occurs. And it's one evening uh, in the home of, of a, a, a young woman um, and where she's gotten this new extension done. And so she's having a party uh, and invited a few people to come and see the new extension. Now, mind you, this young woman, Lucy Cordes, um, has a very domineering mother who's really, you come to know, the force behind this party. <laughs> and that her daughter, Molly, um, uh, has actually just gotten out of psychiatric hospital uh, only five days prior wow. to this party. And as the evening unfolds and as the guests arrive, some, some surprise guests, uh, you come to realize the truth behind these five wonderful women and their struggles and their lives and how they cope or how they don't. Um, but it's all initially with this party face on, which is why we, uh, we chose that name for the American uh, title of the show. Some of the colloquialisms hmm. that are in the script that are very Irish would uh, sort of stop an American audience 
And so we sort of softened some of that so okay, that it yeah. have you stop and think, well, what is that? Do you know what that is? And, mm -hmm. and you'd miss the, you know, what's coming next in the play. Yeah. But for the most part, it's, it's stayed true to the uh, original Irish script. Wow, that sounds amazing. And you're yeah. directing this, right? I directed it. Yeah. Um, and like I said, it's five very strong women of a certain age. It is set in Ireland, so they're all Irish. Irish female playwright, lots of uh, crew, female crew involved with the show as well. Fantastic. Jasper. Jasper. Bring Jasper on. Bring Jasper, Jasper on. Come here. Come on. Let's have you. This is Clementine. Oh, but he's off running around. Sorry about that. That's all right. um, my cat's just woken up right now. You're in my living room. What can I say? My cat just woke up. Oh, hi. Who's that? We have one that looks like that. This is Willow. She's very sleepy today. Oh, Willow. My daughter has a cat. Well, it lives with her now. Uh, named Allie, who looks a lot like willow like oh. a sort of what do you call it a blue russian right? yeah that's right yeah 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 she's yeah. not she she looks like one but she's not well Allie was found in a ditch so oh. chances are she doesn't have that high breathing i don't know oh, we're, we're big on rescuing over here but uh anyway i digress that's good um, that's a good what were we, thought? we were talking about the play yeah so we were you were saying all the women involved all the women, all the women. absolutely and i think i love that i love the fact that it's a play about women with lots of women behind the scenes getting it up and running um and i think one of the key so when i when i was asked to interview you i was told about party face and the thing that really resonated with me about the play was this whole thing about trying to convince people that we've got it all together but actually we don't really. So inside we're like, oh my God, you know, am I an imposter? You know, am I good enough? All of these things are bubbling up inside us, but we put on this whole, like you say, a party face to hide all of that stuff. And when I was looking at the, the description of the play and all of that, um, all of the videos that are out there associated with it, I thought, wow, that, that sounds like a really intriguing play to, to get involved in from your part, but also in terms of, you know people coming to watch it because i think there's this whole stigma around not talking about what's going on inside of us so i was quite fascinated by it and and it's it's great to chat with you about it because obviously it's it's a part of my work and i love talking about the masks that we wear yes but tell me what was it that drew you to get involved in the play so when they put it in front of you what made you say yes well first and foremost i know i was uh uh, asked to read the play because I've lived in the world of comedy for many, many, many years. Yeah. And first and foremost, it is a comedy. And, uh, and I had uh, worked very briefly with the two male producers, uh, Morgan Sills and Rob Dreemeyer, on another project. And so they thought I might be a good fit. Well, I laughed my way through the script. <laughs> but like you, I also was very moved by the the layers that are um, unfolded, the, 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 the things about our lives, about these women's lives that are revealed. And of course, the Irish are known for their great storytelling. And Absolutely. And she has that gift without a doubt. And then also within the play are each of these women's own stories. So you have this lovely balance, which to me is very much about real life. Mm. where we can laugh in one minute and and 
feel something very deeply uh, in a different direction another minute because our lives, male or female, are complicated. And we're all complicated uh, individuals and, um, and how we walk through our lives, uh, how we greet each day and move through it, it's our own personal choice of how we do that. Mm. Some people um, do it more authentically than others. Absolutely. And so the lead character, Molly, is probably the most, uh, one of the most authentic voices in the play. She has a sister, Maeve, who is also that sort of um, uh, strength and support. She also walks through in a fierce manner hmm. uh, life, and and um, but we're all broken in a way. We all have, um, as as uh, Bernie puts it, knocks and cracks from from the world. And yeah. uh, and and what does that do to us? Do we try to fill it in and put on a party face hmm. as their mother does when all hell is breaking loose? Keep smiling. <laughs> You know, or do we do we stop and pause and take it in and look at it and try to to heal? Yeah. And then hopefully walk more in, in a whole fashion of ourselves through life. So everybody does it a little differently in the play, just like everybody does it a little what in real life. Yeah. yeah. And so I found this play, like you, to be uh, very authentic mm. and so not only was it funny which is why it came my way yeah but also it was real and I I try to think of myself in that way I try mm. to keep it real and although I am um, polite in a lot of circumstances where I would rather be speaking my mind <laughs> um, there's a time and a place yeah Oops, another line from the play there's a time and a place <laughs> <laughs> so, right, from now on, I want you to speak in an Irish accent. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Right. Well, no, I'm li but I'm listening to you because it's <laughs> fabulous. Uh, now, now I'm a big, uh, you know, it's a, an Anglophile, right? If you love England, what is it? What, what are you an Irophile? What is it if you if you quest to be? I've Irish. no idea, actually. Maybe you should make the word up. You're I love what we say. An Irophile. Okay, there you I go. I like that. There you have it then. <laughs> I think the key thing, as I said, in terms of this, this play, for me, it was, it was all about identity. And I don't know about you, Amanda, but I used to hide behind a mask for a long, long time, especially when I went to work. So like a good few years ago now, I used to be a teacher in a further education college. And I was trying to hide a secret from my colleagues. Basically, I didn't want to have that whole awkward I'm gay conversation in a really busy staff room with loads of teachers over tea and biscuits. It just wasn't, it wasn't appealing to me whatsoever. So instead of kind of revealing the truth and being authentic, I'd show up wearing a mask, literally a censored version of, of myself. So I'd fit in, I'd be accepted. And so nobody would know that I was somebody else. Now, I know that you know a lot about letting the truth prevail and exposing who you really are to the world. And I hugely admire you for that. What you did back in 1993, I believe it was, when you came out to the public, I thought that was incredible. And you made headline news. Did, did you realize that that was gonna happen at the time? Um, it, it, 
I couldn't not know that. I mean, mm -hmm. I was on a, a high-profile show at the time. I was a supporting character, but I was in people's living rooms every Sunday night at yeah. 9 o'clock. So I, I was aware that uh, that was a part of it. It was so driven by my own personal reasons. This was sure. the year 1993 is when my daughter Zoe was born. And the tabloid press, this is long before social media, yeah. the tabloid press was coming after the story in their usual fashion, which was maybe taking a glimmer of truth, but then exploiting it. And her birth and that occurrence in my life, as I've said before, is very sacred. Mm. And I didn't, I wanted to tell the truth of my story with, um, the honesty and the integrity yeah and so that's why i chose that particular time um you know the press had danced around me in terms of just being a gay person um but when they were going after the story of the birth of my child and her adoption yeah uh that's when i decided to to speak up professionally i had yeah. been living as an out lesbian uh for many years and but like you i especially in the entertainment industry mm. i lived a faction life meaning there was a fracture in terms of the person i was at home which was much more whole than the person i could reveal to my industry yeah however on the set people knew me they knew my personal life they knew about my relationships so it wasn't a, a secret in that way but to tell the public yeah. that this is who I am and I have no shame about who I am, um, you know, became a big deal at, at, at that time. Uh, but it just became a necessary part of my journey to tell my story. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and as I said, I hugely admire you for doing that. I know that back in 1993, things aren't as they are now. Uh, it's an extremely, extremely risky move for you to do so, you know, I think, am I right in thinking that you were the first primetime actress to ever do that? To yes. ever actually come out in that way? Yes. Um, in, Ellen, and, Ellen, and hang on, in the middle of your acting career as well? <laughs> yes, yes, and my directing career, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, then Ellen came out uh, in the throes of her show Yeah. Uh, 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 a couple of years later and... Uh, more power to her but it was at a time where coming out uh, of the closet as a gay person or lesbian or one of those initials right um, where that was a it still is but even then more so a big political statement absolutely which the most political statement a gay individual could do would be to claim that I am a face of this LGBTQ community, mm. and um, and with my doing that, I uh, became associated with uh, probably the largest lobbying group in Washington D.C. The Human Rights Campaign. Yeah, and they had acquired the rights to National Coming Out Day, which was October 11th. So I became their first poster child. Wow, cool! And I was very proud, and of, of of so many things that I've been able to do in my work. Um, that stands alone as, as one of the things I'm most proud of. Absolutely, and yeah. When people come up and talk to me about, you know, oh, you're, you played, you did, blah, blah, blah. When they talk about uh, the impact that uh, my coming out had on their lives or that they noticed in 
even if they're not a gay person and they it, mm -hmm. it changed their 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 way of thinking because as we know with discrimination when it becomes a personal issue yeah then you're less likely to discriminate against someone that you know yes person. yeah yeah and totally. so that's what that movement back in the early 90s was about and i'm thrilled that i got to be a part of that history and i'm thrilled that we've come so far and zoe turns 25 uh in may so it's been a quarter wow. of a century yeah crikey <laughs> we have come far but yet there's still so much fear and so much hate in the world mm. and, uh and it can easily uh step us back uh at, at that force of, of negativity and so I, I love that they're, especially your generation and even younger, are standing strong in their truth. Uh, the issue of gun control in our country is enormous. Yeah, wow. And it's that generation of high schoolers who have been so impacted that are going to make the difference hmm. uh, for the generations to come. And I'm just grateful that in my 30s, I was able to take one step in uh in making a difference not only for my life but for the, the life of others the lives of others for so many people around the world i mean you're a change maker and you paved the way for other lgbt individuals to have a voice to come out and to live authentically i think if you hadn't have done what you did when you did there's so many people who would still be in the closet right now i totally believe that well that's a powerful statement but i think I mean, in words like change maker, I don't know. I did what I needed to do for myself and my family. Yeah. Yeah. And I every gay, lesbian, initials, you know, every person who stands in their truth is doing the same thing. Yeah. It is, it is a courageous thing to do, but it's a part of who we are and it's okay. It is and okay. And that's the, the essential thing. It is okay. So when did you make a change with your teaching? So you left teaching rather than come out as a teacher? No, 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 I, I stayed in teaching. So let's see. Um, I began teaching when I was 23 and I stayed there for just short of 10 years. So in those early days, I wasn't out at all. I just, I just wasn't, I just wasn't comfortable in who I was to be able to have that conversation with people. I understand. Yeah. And in the end, I, I didn't actually have this whole revealing ceremony of, Hey everyone, I'm gay. I didn't do that <laughs> in the end. I literally just kind of gradually started talking about my partner um, and just making it normal really. So when they were talking about going off and doing stuff with their husband, wife, whatever, I would talk about doing stuff with my, at first I used the word partner because I wasn't comfortable saying girlfriend. And then once I think that the penny had dropped with them, then I started saying girlfriend. <laughs> um, but it was quite an uncomfortable um, transition period from not talking about anything and, and running out of the room, basically, when people were talking about their personal lives. to then making the transition to be in those conversations, it, it was quite tricky. Um, so I came out officially, like to family and stuff, when I was 21. It wasn't until, wow, well, maybe late 20s that I'd really sort of come out with everybody at work so it was quite a long process to, to go through um, but now I'm totally fully out talk about it openly work with people on you know the issues that they face in terms of 
all the judgments, all the criticisms, all the old beliefs and conditioning that they've um, internalized as a result right. of all the experiences that they've had. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, well, good for you. Thank you. Thank you. Know, you. I mean, it is, it's just as gay people walking the planet at this time, it's important for, to, to try and help people who have a difficult time with it to understand that there is nothing to be afraid of. And that, as you said, these older um, mindsets, these older uh, and sometimes religious-based um, yes. uh, ways of thinking, um, don't, they don't have to ascribe to. And, um, and that the, the more of us that are out there uh, walking around shoulder to shoulder, I think the less of an issue, like you said, it just becomes integrated. Yeah. And I think that's really the wave after I have my, had my little sort of moment of activism, because when Ellen came into the, uh, the, the community in, in, with, with such power and intensity, and uh, I sort of purposefully handed that torch over because I was a working mom. Yeah. And I was busy. So I just, uh, I, my activism became what I say more quiet in that I just wanted to live my life with uh, integrity, mm. but in and around whatever community I was in. Yeah. You know, don't come out to your child's teacher just once. They have new teachers every year. <laughs> yeah, and, don't you know, they just. <laughs> and you don't, as you know, you don't come out just once. You no, no, no. It, it never ends. And if there Every is day of your life. I beg your pardon? Every day of your life. Yeah, well, Literally. I mean, it's not like we're out there waving the big rainbow flag. It's just, no. if it comes up in conversation, and depending on who you're speaking with, uh, how how you uh, formulate the conversation. Yeah. So there's no doubt that I have uh, softened that conversation um, in in terms of dealing with people who might have a more narrow mindset. Hmm. But that doesn't mean that I deny who I am. Um, that I uh, speak honestly still. But um, it, it wouldn't necessarily be the same conversation that I would have with somebody who's more my contemporary or younger. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, and could be just a little more frank. So it's not about taking off the mask. It's about um, uh, with anything in life, you reveal certain parts of yourself to certain people. Yes, absolutely. You don't tell everybody everything, do you? Right, right. But when the question is asked or the conversation is broached, you know, you do. You keep standing up and saying, yeah, well, hey, hashtag me too. <laughs> love it. <laughs> absolutely love it. So listen, great conversation there about coming out and, and um, your experiences. Thank you for sharing so openly about that. You know, pleasure. It's, it's really good to have that conversation. I want to take you back to Party Face for a moment. And I know you started directing the play. You, you, you went through that whole process. But now you've joined the cast, right? Well, I'm about to. It hasn't happened yet. Yes. So um, as we talked earlier before we went on the air, yes, I, I directed the play. We did a, a reading of it last summer with a different cast, with one exception. And then we cast it for the off-Broadway stage and we we're at a beautiful venue in New York. 
Uh, it's a smaller theater, but um, it's still really literally right off Broadway. So it's very exciting wow. to be in and around that, um, that theater community uh, and close to the great white way, Broadway. So um, it, it's really been a thrill, but we have, are about to come to the end of our run scheduled for April 8th of 2018 yeah. and, um, and everybody's contracts uh, ran to that point. So when we were exploring the possibility of an extension, there's that word again, extension, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, that's when we found out that there were other uh, opportunities for some of the other actors. Yeah. So it left that gap of time of about a week <laughs> to, to complete the original run of the show, but we needed another actor to, to fill in a part. It happened to be the one part I really could play. Okay, uh, that was good and, to know. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, uh, it's not, it, it, it's, it's fairly close to home. Okay. Uh, and Bernie comes in mostly for the second act of the show. She comes in right at the very end of act one. Okay. And um, and things just start to really unravel uh, from that point on with the party and the passage of time and lots of wine and uh, <laughs> danger, of, danger, and wine, lots, <laughs> and lots of you know ladies and their you know uh, but and lots of truths that are being um, told and uh, so it will be lively. To say, uh, to say nothing of the of being on stage with all of these women that I've come to love and, mm. and know throughout this work and to look in each other's eyes and it sort of will be that, oh my gosh, I are. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they, oh, they, at this point, at least, they seem to be um, pretty happy about it. Uh, talk, talk to them on April 9th. And, <laughs> I'll ring them all up and go, how was it? <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So, are you excited I, I, I then? Well, I have a lot of support. Yeah. Not only with the cast, but also with the, the whole company of, of, uh, of crew and producers. And I can't think of a, a more uh, supportive, a more wonderful way hmm. to, to, to make this, this leap uh, sort of back in front of the audience instead of behind. Sounds really exciting, especially because you've directed it and you, you've watched that whole process and then you're coming in for the, for the final week. That sounds fabulous. Well, I mean, that's part, that really is what makes it a, an okay fit. Yeah. Um, because we are all so familiar with one another mm -hmm. and it is the last week of a long run. I mean, let's see, two, three, March... We're talking about a two and a half month run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a that's a, a, a bit of time that these ladies have been together. Mm -hmm. So to throw someone, a stranger literally, into the fire uh, would be not only hard for that actor, but hard for everybody else. Yeah. So here she is. Here she is. There you go. We'll dust her off and drag her out and and uh, and hope for the best. Yeah. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. When you finish this, then have you got other projects? What have you got lined up afterwards? Well, it's interesting that you talk about teaching because that's where I've transitioned now in sort of my third chapter. Ah, uh, yes, I read about this. Tell, tell well, us about your work. Well, living in Seattle, um, I am uh, far removed from Hollywoodland and New York, and that's uh, Hollywood on purpose, truly. Yeah. Uh, but uh, 
you know, when I have the opportunity to go down and work, I will, but um, I, I wanted to um, stay busy. Mm. And so I had, as I said, I'd gone to conservatory in New York, but I hadn't gotten um, a degree, which is required if okay. you want to teach on a college level, university level here. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I could teach just based on my resume, based on my experience in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I like to do my homework. So just like I did with directing, I went and studied. Um, I did the same thing. And I, I got um, one degree and then another in terms of uh, higher level. And, oh, wow. uh, and then the school uh, is called Seattle Film Institute. Mm. And uh, they have an, a new program in terms of the acting program. It's been a filmmaking school for decades. But the acting program, I stepped into um, in its second year. Okay. And so I've been hanging out there now for a couple more years. And they're very supportive of me, my going away, my needing to go away to work. Mm -hmm. And that's the school in and of itself. They have working professionals teaching the students about becoming a working professional in the okay. industry. So I think that's important too. I mean, there's so much you can get academically, yeah. uh, but it's a practicum. It's really about going and doing. Yeah. And I had the best time uh, at teaching and directing. They're not too far from each other in, in, in my, uh, my world. Yeah. Uh, and so again, it was sort of a, uh, an, an easy, uh, um, uh, have to follow because you know it, it and I still direct my students so I bring in the learning in the classroom but then when we get on set we I'm I'm directing and um we're running the show with the filmmakers as well yeah. it's it's a very full experience for me and I will return to that uh, in May when, when you come back. When I finish with this project, yes. So when, when you finish on the project and then you have a massive holiday because you, you've just like done a week. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> yeah, wouldn't it just? It's really about getting back home and trying to put, you know, things together here. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, I was away for about six weeks this winter. Yeah. It was one of the coldest winters on record. Well, I mean, it was, yes, yes. Yeah. yes. But um, then just coming back and sort of getting getting my ducks in a row. But yeah, yeah I will. There will be some break time before I step in. Good, back good, good. You deserve yeah. it. You deserve it. You work hard. You work really Thank hard. I Listen. play when I work, though. So <laughs> I can imagine. I can totally imagine. Yeah. It, it sounds like the the work that you're doing at the Film Institute is really. It's, it's very powerful work because of who you're working with. But also, it sounds like a natural next step for you. It's like a no brainer, isn't it? It was. It really, it kind of was. And the reality of that is also that Hollywood is not kind to women, period. Mm. Uh, even behind the camera. As, oh, that's interesting. Uh, mm. Not only because of our gender, but also because of our uh, aging. Hollywood is very ageist. And so the work for me down there, because I wasn't living there and knocking on doors and banging and saying, hello, hello, hello. Um, I was able to work sort of on my own terms for many years away from LA. Yeah. I didn't want to grow my daughter there. I wanted to grow her back in the Southeast, yeah. uh, uh, Georgia mostly where I'm from. And it was the best decision I ever made. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me, but uh, you know, the, the reality is when she was grown and, 
and at, off to school and I had more time available, the jobs were not as available to me. Mm. And I finally got the truth from a producer that I respect very much. He said, yeah, the company, the studio, the networks are saying, well, she's a little old, isn't she? Wow. And even though there are men, hmm. and we're talking over the age of 50, there are many men who are doing what I do. Wow. And they're well <laughs> above me in years. And that became that reality. And it, it, was, um, it was hard. It was very hard. I won't uh, deny it. Uh, because my resume used to speak for itself. Yeah. Um, but I made the choice again to not move back. Yeah. And to not go there and kick and scream and, and shake that tree. Mm -hmm. Instead, to, to create more quality of life for myself. Yeah. That's what I've done throughout the years. Yeah. Um, trying to find that balance with professional life and personal life. And so being here in Seattle, uh, I looked around and thought, okay, what now? And you're right. It's a, it's a, a, a sort of um, obvious in many ways. A lot of actors transition mm -hmm. to become directors. And, um, and then a lot of directors and people in a profession, whether it's entertainment or not, teach what they know. Yeah. So, you know, there are a lot of corporate people who teach economics and mm. business, you know? Yeah. And so for me to then take that next step, like you said, it's it was a bit of a no brainer. Yeah. I just had to find somebody to hire me, that's <laughs> That was the hardest part. <laughs> Isn't it? Absolutely. Always. I think that's a message that everybody that's listening or watching our interview today, they'll all resonate with that. <laughs> Well, and that's certainly what you've done. Mm. And that's what's also wonderful about this industry is that you can make it your own. Yeah. In a way that was not afforded uh, uh, my generation and uh, coming up, I mean. And, um, and it's, yeah, you're, it, it's very much taking that moment, seizing that moment, and making it what you will. And I yeah. tell that to my students that they can go out there and create and Throw it out there on YouTube and who knows what so. Absolutely. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, so more power to you. Congratulations. Oh, you. thank you. That means a lot. Thank you. Listen, I want to finish on like the biggest question that I could ever ask you in the world. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> don't, okay. don't want to like leave it light. So, <laughs> what do you think is the legacy that you're here to leave, Amanda? What's the change that you want to see in the world? Kindness. Um, I, I carried a certain amount of anger with me in my young life, you know, part of it was probably who I arrived to be, that intensity I have and the energy that I have that I've been able to sort of steer in a creative direction, but then it's also been part of my journey to let go of things and people that don't serve me oh. and uh and walk a life uh really trying to be nice it sounds so basic and simple really but it's so important and you know just going out in our days if we can give that smile and that kindness and look at people and see them for who they are and 
whether there's internal judgment going on inside of us, okay, whatever. But as you said, let go of that mask mm -hmm. and just be right there with them. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's the best we can be with each other. Absolutely. And uh, so, you know, uh, fear <clears throat> and anger, I think, are, are very interrelated. Mm -hmm. So I have to work every day at breathing through fear. And I have worked a long time at putting down anger, um, which often stems from fear mm -hmm. uh, or rejection or whatever. Um, and I'm a better person for it. I, I walk through life uh, with a lighter spirit. So, and, you know, I think that's a day-to-day -day legacy. Yeah. Uh, that if somebody would meet me and say, oh, you know what, she's very nice. Uh, that's the best thing that they could say. Mm. Absolutely. That resonated so much. Thank you for answering the biggest question in the world <laughs> in such an easy way. <laughs> well, you know, again, it's, uh, it's very simple, but it, it takes work. And we have these impulses that rise up, especially when we watch what's going on in the news globally and with humanity and the devastation on so many levels. Again, it's our job to breathe through it. Those of us who have that, that have been given that grace and, um, and to try to take that energy into a positive place. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. My pleasure. What a nice time to spend with you. Beautiful ending to that. And listen, yes, we, we have come to the end. Thank you so much for being here. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you. Obviously, to find out more about Party Face, find out what it's like to be out in the public eye, and to find out more about kindness. I, I really love that ending to our time together. So thank you. I just want to mention about Party Face. Tickets are still on sale, right? Absolutely. New York City Center, stage two. You can go online if you happen to be in New York and take a spring break over there. Um, what, we've got a good solid two weeks, maybe a little extra. Uh, and again, there are a lot of shows. There are twice a day on many days. And, uh, and especially if you were there the last week, uh, which I'll see you the first week in April. <laughs> yes. Be kind. Be kind to me. Okay. <laughs> It'll be absolutely incredible. I know. I know it will. And listen, I'm hearing, I'm in the UK. I'm hearing fantastic reviews about it. So first of all, congratulations in terms of the directing side of things, but also best of luck in the, in the acting and, and being Bernie on stage. Thank you. But you've got to say, break a leg. I'm not going to say that because you might, oh. and then you'll blame me. No, no, that's <laughs> a superstition. There are a lot of superstitions in the theater. So okay. I need to hear you say it. Go ahead. Break a leg. Thank you. I, I'll do my best. <laughs> but please don't actually break a leg because that can no. be really oh, painful. <laughs> Listen, seriously, thank you once again. It's a real pleasure to talk to you. Hopefully we'll connect again at some point in the future. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll reconnect somehow. I'm not quite sure how at this stage, but you never know. Well, I love uh, where, you, where you are, and so I have uh, trotted on that soil before. So who knows, maybe I'll, I'll come find you there. Hey, that would be a pleasure. Thank you so much. We'll speak again. Take care. Thank you. Bye, bye. There you go, folks, my conversation with Amanda Burse.
go and check out Party Face. The link to get tickets is posted alongside this recording. It's still on in the theatres for the next two weeks. Highly recommend that you go and see it. I hope you enjoyed the show today. If you did, please share it around on Facebook. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. And if you think someone would enjoy the show, please pass this on to them. I'll be back next week with episode three of The Gina Show, bringing to you another powerful personal conversation with a soulful change maker. I'll see you then. Thank you.